Welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I'm so excited that you've tuned in. Here at the Young Businessmen of Tulsa, our mission is focused on connecting, developing, and inspiring young business leaders to find and pursue their passion. This podcast is sponsored by Trost Marketing. Promoting your business through marketing is essential for growth. Without marketing, you lack the ability to create a conversation with your potential customers. At Trost Marketing, we provide marketing solutions that fuel growth. We are your source for all of your printing needs, as well as branded apparel and promotional items. If your business wants to stand out to potential customers, contact the marketing experts at Trost Marketing. Visit us at trostmarketing.com or call us at 866-492-7820. Young businessmen, welcome to part two of our mentor forum with Jeff Davis of U.S. Beef Corps. Let's tune in and listen to the questions that our group had for Jeff Davis. I guess my first, yeah. my question is, is uh, you know, somebody who works within the family enterprise mm-hmm. as well, um, and then getting to that point to where there was a transition, um, what kind of advice would you give me uh, who might find himself in a similar place that you were at? Uh-huh. Okay. Well, working in a family business, in my opinion, is one of the hardest things you can do. And there are a lot of family businesses who do really well, but there are a lot of them that just don't. He will tell you uh, the statistics that, you know, just a lot of them just don't work out because of the inner fighting. And um, we tried to be as respectful as we could. When my mom and dad died, my brother and two sisters who hadn't been in the business decided, really thought that they were going, to, all five of us were going to sit in my office with each one having a desk and we were going to control <laughs> All of our company and everything that we do, our banks, our, uh, Arby's and Taco Bueno and, and all the investments that we made. So it just wasn't going to work because we had, you know, we're brothers and sisters, but we have different things we want to do, you know. Uh, so it, it's just really hard. It, had the hard. it was really hard and it caused, it, I would have never thought our family would have had the strife and the hurt feelings and the misery that went through that thing. So we went through it, and John and I said, well, what do you think it's worth? We agreed, okay, we'll go. We get our, we have our books audited every, every year by a big eight firm or a big four firm, whatever, the, how many firms there are in the accounting business anymore. Uh, and so we know exactly, you know, from independent auditors what our company's worth. So it came back that, so we, we said, we'll pay you five times. That was kind of the going rate back then. We'll pay you five times EBITDA. So we offered them five, day, five times EBITDA, and they went ballistic. So, okay. So now we're at war all of a sudden. This really loving, peaceful, uh, heartbroken family because they just lost their parents, uh, you know, they, they went to war. So finally, we paid them five and a half, no, uh, three and a half times what it was worth, just to get about. And also, we paid, we gave their kids uh, a bunch of investments and everything else. So we, uh, it hurt. And for my ego, it made me, gosh darn, you know, I was pretty mad. And, you know, you just pray that the Lord just kind of leads you to being able to accept it. Because... It was more important I had a relationship with them than it was I had a few extra dollars, you know. So it's a hard thing to do. It's just courtesy and think 
the one thing that I didn't do enough of is think of myself in their shoes. You know, because when I thought of myself in their shoes, I'd never sell. I'd never sell. But I was running the company, so I had the ability to change things. Which they did. Yeah. Anyone else? You're measuring yourself, your success, how your code of conduct, and stuff like that. Obviously, uh, McDonald's is great and all, but uh, who do you measure yourself up against? Uh, is it other fast food industries? Is it you know yeah. companies that are? Yeah, there are a few magazines, and sometimes you wonder, depending on the revenue that those magazines are making from whoever they're choosing. Uh, they have like two pages of disclaimers and disclosures and how they got to the numbers, but uh, generally, in and out uh, is usually, uh, in and out and Chick-fil-A are usually always number one or two or someplace that right, way up there. Uh, but everyone, I think, uh, Wendy's, I think, used to be known for the best uh, drive-thru. And then there was another one known for the best service and another one. So you just kind of break it apart that way, and knowing that that's just the magazine. But all of us eat out. You know, it, 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 we try to get that, and finally it hits our, our people. You eat out. You know what you like and what you don't like. You do not like cold fries, do you? No. You do not like a, a flat uh, soft drink. No. Well, then don't give our customers that. You know, it's just, it's so basic, it, 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 yet a lot of people just don't understand that until you just pounded it up. And then that when they understand, they will be the policeman. Then all of a sudden, they'll be the policeman of the restaurant. Mary, you didn't put, you didn't put enough uh, fries in that box or this, that, the other, you know. But, uh, yeah, that, that's, we kind of measure. But Arby's is different because we make each sandwich, so our drive-through times are longer. But whereas McDonald's, you know, could cook about, but it's fast. I mean, McDonald's amazes me, especially at breakfast. By gosh, you just get ready through paid almost most of the time, and you're out. But uh, they do a good job. A lot of them doing a good job. And technology has really changed and will continue to change. At the rate we're going, we'll probably reduce our staff of people at a restaurant in half, I would say, by sometime around by 220 Probably. Mm -hmm. well, that's just the natural progression of technology makes business <coughs> more efficient. And it's, you know, somebody, uh, right. there's a video out there right. you know, that, that I watched and, and read on and stuff. And they talk about how, you know, the compounding growth of technology, yeah. a lot of humans will find themselves in a place where technology yeah. is Can't do it. Uh -huh. Yeah. I know, uh, I was going to tell you. So every place we buy, we put in new POS systems and back office systems and everything. And uh, inevitably, the, all, the, uh, all the ones we've had, we picked up 2.4% in revenue uh, as a high, and probably 1.8 is about the median. So we pay for those registers in a year, usually. You know, but that's how much money is escaping if you don't have good controls. Uh, people will steal from you. Someone have a question? No. Nope. Nope. If you could uh, say just recently there's one thing, an idea, whether it was you or an employee or whomever came up with that literally changed your business for the better, because mm -hmm. I'm sure you're trying to change it every day for mm -hmm. the better to grow at that time. Mm -hmm. What would be one of the last things that, that you... 
And how did you come up with that idea? Well, I think uh, there are just some things that can't be done by a machine. I'm not sure that, uh, well, we're not, we're not cutting the roast beef <laughs> by hand anymore, so that big old vertical slicer will cut it. So that was a big change back in 1900 or whatever they came up with those things. <laughs> but, but I think probably the things that will change the most will be on the technology side. Building sandwiches and putting them together, I don't think we'll ever replace uh, with technology. I, I kind of hope not, because yeah, although we eat that way at home a lot of times in all our snacks. And yeah, so I've been in business about seven years, and uh -huh. I can never seem to keep good employees. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to figure out how to do that. Mm -hmm. um, so how, do you, uh, how can you decide whether it's a good idea to accommodate and you know, maybe invest, maybe, maybe this person says, well, I want more money, or I want uh -huh. this, or I want that. How can you tell whether I should invest or say, well, we can't really afford that, yeah. and kind of maybe not give that to them because maybe they aren't going to be a good fit? Uh -huh. Does that make sense for them? Yeah, sure. I mean, it makes a lot of sense, but I think probably everyone in here has had that problem if you've run a company or run a division or anything. Uh, uh, do you know where you're going as a company? Do you know where you're yes. going? Okay. It is your, where you're going to expand. Yeah. yeah, you're going to grow. Yeah. So you know you're going to need more people, mm -hmm. but you're going to need skilled people in those areas, in those professional areas. You know, it's like mm -hmm. football team. You got your skilled guys who make the big dollars, and you got the linemen who, well, they're getting skilled now too. So, it, but so, uh, I, you know, I would say. Uh, if you if you choose, if you have if you know where you're going and you know what your needs are going to be when I ask you where you're going you kind of need to know how many people you're going to do need to do to the, to what and uh, and then you recruit like heck and just study that person as much as you can just the background everything you can come up with and then you're still not guaranteed <laughs> but at least and then then train them. Like, like they've never been trained before. But trade them in your culture as much as the things that, uh, you know, the actual hands-on things that they have to do. Because you're obviously, you've been successful and you're growing because you're successful. So whatever has led you to that success, you probably have a good idea of what's led you to that success. And those are the, that's kind of the principles of the culture that are within you and your existing people. And if you can just, get that across to them, and if they'll buy into it, then you've got a good person. I wouldn't hesitate ever. If you can't afford people, I wouldn't hesitate. Get to find as many people as you can within reason. You know, because a lot of times people will also give you the ability to make decisions on growing and things like that. Because you could think in the back of your mind, well, I've got such and such and so and so who can do this. You know, sometimes it kind of helps you make those decisions if you've got good people to carry about because you can't, right? You're mm -hmm. doing a lot of other things. And then it still doesn't work sometimes, you know. Mm -hmm. What would you say, I guess, your biggest takeaway and lesson learned throughout all the years? You know, I think uh, it's kind of funny, but see, I see myself, I'm 64 now, so I see myself still about 24. <laughs> Being the youngest guy, I mean, like I was the youngest guy in the Oklahoma Restaurant Association. I was the youngest president of the Restaurant Association. I think I'll be the youngest uh, chairman of the National Restaurant Association. So I really think of myself as the, you know, hot, 
24-year-old. But I'm not all of a sudden. <laughs> and it drives me crazy. <laughs> so you're going to get old, and you're going to be old-fashioned in your thinking, and you're going to be old-fashioned in technology. You're not going to know how to use that damn telephone anymore. <laughs> you know? I like the way that you go like that. <laughs> Sarah? Sarah? Give me, Barney. <laughs> and, Plus, every, peop every person that you bring in, if you've had your job as far as recruiting right, are going to have a ton of ideas. So uh, they're going to give you, they're going to keep you, I think, supplied with, with fresh ideas and uh, fresh things to look at. And uh, if, as long as you know them and you know that they know how you feel and what you like and what you don't like. You sure don't want yes men. You know, so over the years, I think, uh, I've had yes men around me uh, in some areas. Uh, I held on to some areas longer than I should have and should have turned it loose. Uh, but, you know, with your, I, I had to build the organization first, you know, determine your, uh, you know, by not having an idea or not having a plan, you're kind of doing a little bit of everything and a lot of nothing, you know. And so that keeps you on your track. But when you're an owner or operator, you, you know, you, they can be going great and you're training this person and they're wonderful and they had something's on fire or <laughs> whatever it may be. You know, so you get interrupted all the time. But if, you, if you've got a good plan together, uh, it, it doesn't have to be typed. It can be just on a piece of drawing paper. But so that you just kind of keep at it slowly, take a look at it, make sure you're still going that direction. And then when you feel like things aren't going right, take a look at, well, where do I need to change? In your mind, where do you need to change? I always thought, I don't know whether you would agree with this, but a lot of the culture, uh, probably the innovation at all will come from younger guys because they're ready to just knock it out of the park, like I was, you know. Uh, but the older guys are the ones that say, no, are you sure you want to do that? Or... <laughs> Or, uh, but you know, as you get older and running your own company, that you're there to just put the stops on something that where you've been burned probably in your experience, bad checks or doctor leaving a script pad out. There, you go to the doctor 20, 30 years, 40 years ago, and there'd be script pads all over the, <laughs> the place. Some of them already signed. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that, I mean, that's what I've really kind of learned. But I, I, it is up to you. If they don't see you caring, if they don't see you working, if they don't think you're spiritually uh, and in the heart, in every fiber of your being is in that, in that company to make it successful, knowing that you're in there to make them money too, then they won't give the type of effort that you will put out there. Uh, you mentioned uh very briefly, uh, quite, a, quite a long ago, but that, uh, you were talking about like, benefits. Uh -huh. you said, uh, you know, you're trending upwards 15% every year on that insurance. Yeah, 10 to 15% every year. Mm -hmm. How long have you seen that trend happen, and do you feel like there's going to be a break in the point? Oh. Seriously reassess this. Yeah, I think right now with everything uh, that the current president has signed into legislation, which, by the way, was not voted on by an elected official of the people. It was all done 
in the back rooms of the Department of Labor, Department of Commerce, a place like that, okay? So, but right now, if everything goes through that has already been passed, I'm probably looking at uh, $50 million of cost and, uh, and paid people to certify me for this and certify me for that. So that's a $350 million organization. Your food cost is around 30%, and beverage cost is around 12%, 15%. Your labor is at 35% at least, and it's going to go even higher. So how much does that leave you on the bottom line? Yeah, it's like a, a, neg a big negative number on the bottom line, and we just can't stay in business. So something's got to give. I don't know what it is. The reason why I brought that up, you're starting to see some of these larger benefits companies that are just straight up pulling out of that entire market. Right. I'm wondering if that has affected you at all. Right. And yeah, I'd be mean, like our insurance company that we've been with for 10 years that had a pretty good record dropped us because uh, uh, we were, uh, as far as Obamacare or that, whatever it's called, uh, it's Affordable health care. Yeah, yeah, I forgot. It is affordable health care. Ever since that came on, it's probably cost me, huh? yeah, I don't know, probably 35, 40% more. Just because of the market, not because of the law. I was the last one to get in because our close date was September 30th or September 29th. So we were, we were the last ones to have to, uh, to abide by it. So... This year will be our really our first year. So I That's a good question. I never I didn't even get into the real estate and everything. We I prefer we prefer to own our own real estate. But if you talk to any of the big, uh, like the guy who owns Wendy's or the people who own McDonald's or whatever, they'd say, no, no, no. Don't put all your money into that. Go use that money to go borrow money to open up another one. Right, so my question is, if you didn't own it, right? Huh? Yeah. I, I own my building, yeah. right? But I lease them to the, my, my company. Yeah. So, so that's my question to you. So let's say if there's a break-even point, you still have the real estate investment yeah. to where... You know, so does Arby's own the real estate? Does yeah. another company lease oh. it from? No. No, a long time ago, Arby's, when we first got into Arby's, you had, your license was 1% of sales forever, as long as you were at that location. Now it's 4% of sales uh, and 4%, uh, let's see, yeah, 4% of sales, and it's like 100,000 every time you open one. So... So those are golden to have those original licenses. Uh, we'll buy, we'll buy all the uh, land, uh, USB, and then at the end of the year, I give all my brothers and sisters, uh, myself, everyone in our family, uh, to uh, the opportunity to buy into a partnership that will own that uh, land and building. Okay, and they'll lease it on a triple net lease from Arby's. I mean, from that's us, that's from U.S. Beef. Yeah, right. And then at the end of 10 years, if U.S. Beef doesn't want it, then I have the building free and clear. But because I'm on both sides, mm 
then I can control the rents, <laughs> which sounds like <laughs> a license for the fox to get into the uh, uh, chicken hen house, right? But if you, if you charge them too much, I want to worry you about this, because if you charge the company too much, then uh, IRS will come in and declare those as dividends and bust you wide open. <laughs> and they like to do that. They like to get a company that owes about two, 300 billion in lands. And, uh, See, that, that's where your, that's really your net thing, right, is, is off the real estate. Yeah. Because even if, let's say, you've been always those too Yeah. Yeah. You want to make money, you you want to make money of the restaurant. What? If you can't do that and you have to close it, you're going to pay you know, rent until you rent it out, and then you got a land. You'll be a landlord. That's kind of a pain in the neck. But uh, so you, you I mean, you want to keep going as long as you can. But yeah, it's a nest egg. You know, our stores though go through a lot of traffic, and by the time by the time we leave a store. It's usually after 10 or 20 years. It will either be after 10 or after 20. And the lot is pretty shot. And, you know, the air conditioners, everything else is pretty worn out. <laughs> we take it down as low as we can. And uh, so even though we spend, I think, three and a half million in the uh, first quarter in repairs and maintenance alone. So, yeah, that's the way to do it if you can. But, but watch, watch it. Watch the rents you put in there, okay? They would just love to come bust. They tried to do that on my dad's death for his estate. They came in and, and tried to say that our stores were, uh, they compared us to Chick-fil-A and uh, everyone else. And we just had to tell them, yeah, we, we just don't do $3 million out of our stores. Our stores are averaging about a million, million and a half. So, uh, but when, when you get up to that, those dollars, man, you know, it's good time. Young businessmen, thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about the young businessmen of Tulsa, check out our website at www.ybtok.com or email us at ybtoklahoma at gmail.com. If you live in the Tulsa area and would like to hear one of our great speakers live at our monthly luncheon, we meet on the second Monday of every month from 12 to 1 p.m. Like us on Facebook for details about locations and upcoming speakers. Lastly, if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes and share us with your friends. Thank you for tuning in to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast, where we connect, develop, and inspire young businessmen to find and pursue their purpose.